Blog Talk Radio. All right. Hello and welcome to the Walking on the Unnamed Path. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris Ripple. And joining me tonight, as always, are my fabulous co-conspirators or co-hosts, Michael Graywolf and Chase Powers. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as you may know, Walking on the Path is a podcast uh, dedicated to expanding on the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late brother and founder, Hyperion. Uh, we also touch on general topics and ideas that pertain to queer pagan men on a daily basis. Um, but before we begin, I'd like to say a special thank you to our fellow brother, Nishiat and Matthew Sidney. Uh, we mentioned it before, but Matthew was kind of to donate towards covering the cost of releasing these podcasts. So much love, Matthew Sidney. So before continuing, let's do a brief catch-up, guys. Like, how have you guys been? <sighs> I'm doing good. I am, well, I say I'm doing good, but I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a few things that have come up recently. I just found out last within the last couple of days that I had a few friends that have had some health issues. Uh, two of them have hmm. unfortunately passed passed away. So, wow. uh, so I'm I'm dealing with not having known that they were in a bad spot, and I have a friend who is currently he's in transition. He could get better, but it's more than likely he's going to uh, pass. So I'm I am working through that currently, <laughs> and. <laughs> See, I, my the trip to Houston that I mentioned last episode, unfortunately, did not happen. There was a conflict of, um, what do you call it, scheduling conflict, basically. Uh, there was another event that was going to be happening at the same time, and then yeah, it was going to cause people to miss the thing with uh, Lee Harrington and when he was going to be talking about the queer anthology book, queer magic anthology. So he and he unfortunately had to reschedule it. So I will let people know when it is rescheduled and if I will be able to make it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's me. Jay? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, uh, it's been a really quiet kind of uh, couple of weeks. I am still in a lot of transitions in work and home, and that's been, you know, challenging as usual. Currently, I'm moving forward with trying to wrap up my fairy training, which I'm super excited about. Wow, yay, congrats. I've only, I've only been, I mean, I'm still like, I'm still not quite there, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm moving, moving in that direction because I've only been studying with um, Storm in a, I think it's a two-year class for the last eight or nine years. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, you know, it's a it's a it is a un, unlike our apprenticeship, it is a study at your own pace kind of deal. So, um I am not apparently his I am not apparently his longest student, but I'm certainly one of. But I I we we finally hit a place where I was like, okay, I can I now have enough I now have enough energy to devote towards like getting this stuff done. So, here we go. Let's mm-hmm. see. Gosh, what else? Working on maroons and uh, working on some art projects and just generally, you know, trying to, trying to keep moving and keep it working. I'm, I'm looking forward to a fun weekend of uh, pup stuff and, you know, getting to do Ooh. all kinds of, 
all kinds of fun <laughs> stuff that way. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, and also bark. But yeah, um, I spent, I didn't, I'm super tired right now. I didn't get home last night until about two o'clock in the morning. I went out for a friend's birthday party and it wasn't really much, it wasn't really a party per se, but uh, it was still a good time and I didn't get home until like two o'clock in the morning. And then I had to be oh, up damn. at like five, and then I had to be up at five thirty for work. So oh, girl. I'm like, I'm, I'm living on Red Bull in a prayer right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah, but otherwise, uh, you know, uh, many good things happening. I, I have a couple of things that I'm not quite ready to announce yet because they're still in process, and you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to jinx anything. But good things, mm-hmm. good things. Oh, that's incredible, Chase, and blessed to be a journey on your ferry train. That's incredible. Thank you. I'm <laughs> I'm mostly looking forward to like finishing this <laughs> level of training so that I can move on to other things <laughs> and figure out like where where in my life this is going to be cuz I'm not like I am not an initiation chaser like I am not a you know I'm I'm not here for like titles and but like you know, if the work is good, like that's what I'm going for. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's definitely a it's definitely as as a couple of my as a couple of my other students and uh, brothers have said, it's a bit of a uh, in, to put it in gamer terms, it's a bit of a mana bar upgrade. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. to you have to make sure you're ready for that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't what know what that you, is, but I will keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look it up later. <laughs> uh, uh, things have been great. I guess things are flowing along. Uh, actually, last week I was part of a training for my CLC, or it's a, um, short for Certified Lactation Consultant. So it's essentially, it's becoming a, an expert on breastfeeding. So of course, whenever I'm in spaces like this, you know, uh, there's definitely usually very few like men or men, male presenting folks there. Uh, so I'm always thinking about like, you know, applications to our community, you know, so I don't know, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I took the test, uh, we don't know if we passed it, unfortunately, they don't tell you for like two months. <laughs> um, so it's going to be like a bit of a surprise uh, in two months to see if I, uh, I guess, achieve certification, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm looking forward to um, what this means, you know, maybe working with the queer community, we see more and more um, queer parents. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, something that came up uh, during the class too is just like, what does a mother look like, right? It's like this idea of, you know, like um, assumptions that are made uh, with the queer community about like, what is a potential uh, mother or a potential person that might be breastfeeding look like, you know? Uh, and we've had some like heroes uh, that stepped into the public eye not too long ago, some of our trans brothers that decided to um, uh, choose parenthood, right? And uh, to... I guess to grow their family and have babies. So it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where this will go. I'm interested to be a part of it uh, as it grows. Yeah. I don't know. I guess social justice of all things just kind of makes me a little excited, you know, so (laughs) Um, (laughs) applications are everywhere, I guess. Oh, awesome. Well, it's always great to catch up with you guys. As you guys know, the topic this uh, week, uh, this podcast is um, raising energy and creating sacred space. 
But before we continue, we thought it might be a good idea to maybe institute a, an unnamed past practice called tree breathing. Uh, and I believe, Chase, uh, you are on the chopping block to lead us in this. Is that right? Yep. What a good way to put that. Um, <laughs> um, that's okay. That's okay. The teacher will do it this time, and the next time I'll make you guys do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, um, just a little bit about tree breathing. Um, this is something that you can hear uh, Hyperion lead us through or lead you through on the original Unnamed Path podcast. Um, this is not a secret technique. Um, it's it will be relatively familiar in purpose to um, a lot of people who have practiced any particular length of time um, as a form of grounding and centering. And it's a thing that we often do, not necessarily to create sacred space externally, but to sort of acknowledge our own internal sacred space and kind of connect with that energy. So with that in mind, get yourselves in a comfortable, preferably seated position with your feet flat on the floor. Close your eyes and take a few deep breaths in and out. And imagine that roots are growing out from the bottoms of your feet and the base of your spine as you breathe out. And feel those roots digging down deep to the floor of the room, down through the layers of sand and rock and soil, past the bones of the buried dead, Down through the bedrock and down into the underworld, which we picture as a dimly lit but lush world where the dark god sits on his throne, caring for and overseeing the affairs of the spirits of the dead. And the dark goddess stirs her cauldron of the souls of humanity. Now, as you breathe in, feel your roots begin to draw up that dark, syrupy energy of the underworld. Feel it rise up through your roots, filling your body, up through your toes and your feet, up your legs, past your hips and your sex, up and into your belly. And everywhere this energy touches is brought into a place of peace and healing and relaxation. And as we breathe in, we draw in more and more of this energy and feel it rising into our chest, spilling down our arms into our hands and fingers. Feel that energy rise up into your head, filling you further and further until your body can contain no more and the energy bursts from your head and shoulders as branches. See these branches reaching up and out through the roof of the building, out into the sky and up into the atmosphere. Your branches continue to reach up and out, past the clouds, into the vastness of space, and beyond into the upper world, which we envision as a brightly lit, vast land 
where the light god presides over the guides and guardian spirits. And the light goddess in her gleaming tower observes the whirling destiny of all creation. As your branches reach this place, they unfurl a canopy of silvery green leaves, which begin to drink in the sparkling and effervescent energy of the upper world, drawing it down like photosynthesis through the branches and into your body. As this bright energy mixes and swirls with the dark and syrupy energy of the underworld, the two ignite and explode out from your heart in a rush of ecstatic bliss, flooding outward and touching the hearts of the men who love men in your community, in your city and state, across the country and the entire globe. Feel that loving and blissful ecstasy echoing back to your own heart. And just bask in that feeling of being in a web of love. Now slowly pull that energy into your heart, giving thanks to your brothers and to the universe. And when you feel relaxed and ready to begin, we will open our eyes and say, Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be. I love the fact that that's going to be dead air that you can't get rid of. (laughs) Dead air, poor Grey Wolf's arch nemesis. <laughs> it's okay. It was delicious. That <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Um, it just it just amuses me, is all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sue. That was great. Ah, much needed. Yes. Too. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and um, before before we move on, um, just for for people who are listening, you know, who may not be men who love men, um, one of the things that we talk about is that when we do this practice, especially when we lead public rituals, we still do this practice, and we do the practice that we call raising the great crossroads, um, which we're going to talk about later uh, in this podcast. But we don't edit or modify the way that we do these practices to make them more universal or to make them um, apply to more people, you know, who may not be, you know, who may not be members of necessarily our specific community because, you know, for very long time, men who love men have had to modify their own visualizations to find a place for themselves, you know, in, in heterocentric uh, practices. And so, you know, we don't edit ourselves when we are doing practices that are for us. So leading, leading up to today's episode, I posted, a, I posted a question to our Facebook page, which if you do not follow, you should follow. <clears throat> but basically I asked, how do you create sacred space or raise energy? And then I shared it among my various networks of queer groups and other pages and whatnot. And I was so happy when I got responses. <laughs> uh, 
So one of those first ones that I got, and so it's actually a mixture of men and women who responded because, like I said, it was queer groups that I shared it to. So it was men and women and those who identify as both and neither who responded. So one individual said, you know, raising energy is very intuitive for me uh, since it flows through everything around me. Raising it is as simple as reaching out and snagging it from around myself. Also, mm. as if I'm the eye of a hurricane, it just seems easiest and most natural that way. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's certainly a very um, it is certainly a very intuitive way of of feeling and um, engaging with energetic practices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the next one was a uh, I've raised energy with intensity of thought or emotion when I know I've reached a place in a corner where there's nothing else to go, nowhere else to go, sorry, except out of the corner and energy is created. A mental determination overpowering any situation that brings me to that place. I am, hmm, I have some thoughts about that one, but. (laughs) We can definitely move back. Hmm? We can definitely move back for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, I've, I it, love these. They're so interesting, you know. It's true. It's true. I've uh, I was actually discussing with a with a teacher of of mine about this. In that, I often find that as a person who struggles with uh, depression, um, mm. one of the ways that I know that I am coming out of it is that I the first the first emotion that I'm able to start feeling again is anger, and that I can do more that I can do something with that, you know, with that particular mm-hmm. emotion. Um, so it's easy to like get on that anger train and sort of write it back out of the, write it back out of the gray place. Mm-hmm. Another was singing and chanting, which I definitely can vibe with that one quite a bit. Don't ask me to sing, please. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> bah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the, <laughs> We're waiting, Michael. We're waiting. Oh, no, you you are not getting any singing out of me. I'd have to be extremely drunk (laughs) to do any sort of singing. That can be arranged. Especially in public. That can be arranged. You live live in Portland. I'm over here in Texas. (laughs) Ah, ah, but I have a secret up my sleeve. I know people who live also in Texas. (laughs) I know most of the same people. Anyway. Another individual stated, they designate a space or area, they bring in sacred objects, they set aside time for meditation, prayer. Uh, in my house, we have a chapel for prayer. Ooh. Uh, in the morning, we pray on our own due to our schedules, but we pray together at night. We also pray on our own, th- on our own throughout the day, wherever we are. It takes mm-hmm. a conscious effort to raise one's consciousness. Mm. Mm. I love that. Interesting. I wish I had a you know a central prayer room that everyone could congregate in. Isn't that I what your bed is for? Right. <laughs> I don't know. See, I guess I, given my background, like I have kind of a rough, I honestly have kind of a rough relationship with the idea of prayer. Mm. Um, like it, I don't know. It just the 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 Protestant evangel the white Protestant evangelical background just kind of. Like I, I don't really, I wouldn't say that any of my interactions with my gods 
or the spirits that I work with fall under the the heading of what I would consider to be prayer because it's really more of just a conversation, you know. Mm. <laughs> a lot of times my experience with prayer in in big air quotes has been the kind of uh, you know, Monty Python's oh lord you are so big, so absolutely huge kind of thing and mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, if it works, if it works for you, then do that thing. Yeah. I wonder what this person means by prayer too, right? Um, they might mean like um, like a scripted prayer, like almost like a chanting. I don't know. I'm, I'm you know, possibly like mantras or uh, even like doing something like the rosary, right? So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I, you know, you know, we spoke right. it already, yeah. but I, I definitely share some of your, uh, I think, your traumas, Chase. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could laugh about that, but um, uh, yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be, let, let's uh, let's continue reading through them and let's talk about like maybe some yeah. common themes we're seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The next one said they pour energy from within and without, entreating mm-hmm. it to flow and fill the space. Depending on the work, it is a bubble, a mesh, a wall, a funnel, or just sacred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Keep going. I'll circle back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, you know, I feel like that's, that's a good idea. But Michael, you have to okay, sing each one. one from now on. Give you a little tune. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, me, 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 me. <laughs> I, uh, I have thoughts on that. <laughs> Let me continue. The next one, I call, I call out to the spirits of the place I am working in slash with. Uh, call on those spirits and guardians that I am attuned to, and finally my ancestors to bring it all together, mm-hmm. which I I like that one a lot. Uh, the next one is meditating in that space, performing yoga postures and breathing exercises in that space, journey and Reiki. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the last one, if I'm solitary or group, I raise the crossroads. Large group, mm-hmm. I find casting circle works better. Interesting. And that was actually one of Blech. our one of our brothers that that did that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what themes are are we seeing in some of these? I see a couple that are bubbling up. I guess I could just start too. <laughs> I mean, I noticed a couple of them are talking about like connecting or pulling in something that's like already there, right? It, um, it came up with. Uh, the first one, right? Reaching out and snagging it around me, like you're in the in the eye of a hurricane, or the eye of a storm. Uh, this was a pulling energy from within and without, uh, and even calling on the spirits of the place, right? And working with ancestors. This idea of like you bring, uh, or or you, I guess, pulling in power from around you, or acknowledging power that's around you, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a couple of them that say that speak to like kind of a, a building of power too, right? There's the the one that's talking about like a like a what is it, a, a practice of prayer uh, in the chapel, right? A building of consciousness, a conscious effort to raise one's consciousness. Even like the meditation, um, meditating and yoga postures and breathing exercises in that space. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think one of the things that like really kind of stands out for me is that there are pretty much as many ways of raising energy as there are people who are raising energy. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. so it really, a lot of it is going to depend on, let's try that, let's try that train of thought again. With, uh, as, as my experience with a teacher 
or as a teacher has has kind of demonstrated to me, a lot of what people deal with in terms of energy is down to their um, either their mindset at the time. A lot of it also sort of coincides with how they perceive the world. Um, and honestly, sometimes it even depends on the kinds of like television programs that they watch or the books that they read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that for me. I used to have a very difficult time with sort of figuring out how to feel different types of energy. Um, And then I had a really good friend who was one of my first teachers, actually, who sort of taught me how to do things like shield myself and taught me how to sort of like tap into different kinds of elemental energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so the, the idea of like, you know, reaching out and sort of snagging the energy around you to yourself as though you're in the eye of a hurricane. Uh, that actually speaks to me, you know, a lot because that's, you know, that is honestly one of the things that like if I'm out somewhere, especially if I'm like out in public somewhere and I don't really have like the time or the space or the inclination to engage in some sort of, you know, mantra or, you know, anything else. That's basically what I'm doing is I'm reaching out, you know, reaching out into the space around me and kind of putting, you know, pulling energy to myself to then use towards something else. And, you know, I think that that's a really good sort of, it's a really great practice for a lot of beginners. I don't necessarily know that it's the end all be all of practices, but it's definitely a good place to like, it's certainly a really good place to start from. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Michael, do you have any thoughts on what we've gotten from folks in the, in the netherworld? <laughs> so for me, some of the things that were said, like the prayer, the singing, the chanting, or especially those uh, first ones that I read out loud, they they make me think back to when I was a very active and very passionate uh, Christian mm-hmm. way back in the day. And let me just say, you know, my when I left the church, it wasn't because you know I was mad at God or anything like that. I left because of the people who basically turned on me. So my relationship with the Christian deity in my head hadn't suffered. And it makes me think back to when I was passionate about that religion. And I hate saying this because y'all are, gonna, y'all are going to make at some point make me do this. I used to actually sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we did worship, I loved singing. I mm-hmm. knew I was I knew I wasn't one of the best singers, but I enjoyed the you know just singing and just belting out my you know love and devotion to my religion through my voice. And I remember when I was being that young and also being at camp or you know the conventions that they would hold, you could feel like the spiritual energy in the air from so many people singing and singing slash chanting. So definitely like resonates with me from what, you know, we see uh, from what people responded to my question online. Mm. And it also makes me think of what I've seen since I've been pagan at festivals and whatnot, the concerts that the various, you know, musicians will host or whatnot, it gets energy just flowing. So you can, you can feel it in the air and, you know, definitely the chanting and whatnot. (laughs) But I, I would say that the one that just, you know, sticks out to me the most is that one that says, I call out to the spirits of the place. I am working with an inn and call for the spirits and guardians, finally my ancestors and whatnot. Because I feel like that really, you know, that wasn't one of our brothers who wrote that. But I feel like that really resonates with what we do mm-hmm. in the ending path. Very much so. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, very, yeah. very much so, in fact. 
especially a lot of times when we are doing things like, you know, spirit contact circles or, you know, working with spirits of the dead, we often call specifically, you know, on our ancestors to come and be with us and protect, guard, guide, translate, <laughs> whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder the last point about a large group and casting circles, maybe like we could loop back to that point when we're talking about raising the great crossroads and its function, mm-hmm. you know, and like, uh, it's mo- like, how it works and then you know we could maybe talk about like why that might be the case you know yeah awesome cool <laughs> we actually didn't talk about like uh, i mean michael do you want to continue on and speak about uh well chase you spoke about tree breathing a little bit uh, do you have anything to add to that as far as what tree breathing is what its function is for our path sure i mean essentially our essentially tree breathing is used for us to kind of put everyone who is participating in either a ritual or a, a class or anything else into sort of all the same kind of headspace and to ground and center our energy so that we're not, you know, frazzled and, you know, still running from the, you know, crazy busy day before Mm -hmm. us or, you know, having many thoughts about what's going on and um, so that we can just sort of devote ourselves to what's happening, you know, in front of us and to, you know, in the space that we're in immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. And it's really the tree breathing is sort of the inner microcosm of acknowledging the like, the uh, the way that our the way that our souls or the way that our our energies are tied to both the middle world the upper world and the underworld mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. as as has as has been discussed and will often be discussed again you know the unnamed path is very very much not a like all is love and light and we only we only concentrate on the the happy fluffy emotions or the we stay away from the darkness we only work with the light that's not how this works Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not how any of this works. <laughs> but nor is it all, we we also are not really in the practice of working only with the darkness because, you know, it is dark and spoopy, you know. We 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 work with balance because we are in all three worlds. That is how we are supposed to be. That is where we are supposed to work. Right. And not for nothing, but light world entities can be pretty fucking scary. <laughs> huh, girl. <laughs> like I'm just saying, like, after, you know, after having gone through the apprenticeship, having gone through the student teacher classes, and then having led several classes now, like, mm-hmm. everybody's always, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, the dark goddess is going to be so scary. And I'm like, well, I mean, she's not not scary, but like, stand in front of the light goddess. Yes. Like, mm. I don't have quite the relationship with her that Hyperion did, but like, I don't like going to see her for things. I will, <laughs> but like, it's not my it's not my preferred method of finding things out. Yeah, you know, I just feel like there are other ways that I could go about doing that that don't involve standing under what energetically feels like a three million candle power spotlight of absolute truth. Um, <clears throat> sometimes that's super what you need, though, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to, to be able to stand in the presence of that where no falsehoods can exist. You know, sometimes that sometimes that is both very powerful and exactly what you need. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We have another podcast episode title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. What goes bump in, yeah, the, it's, in, the, in the light? What goes bump in the light? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little funny that 
tree breathing is, you know, it's very much the grounding exercise. But for me, I actually feel like it in my practice, I feel like it's very much part of raising energy. When I, I, so I actually, this has only been a recent development. When I have, you know, done tree breathing or, or raised the great crossroads, I almost see like an interpretive dance in my head whenever I'm doing it and mm-hmm. doing, I am no dancer. I had a lot of friends in college who were dancers, so I actually went to a lot of their shows. So I, I can see it in my head, the movements of when you know, you're doing the tree breathing or when you know, we're racing right crossroads. That would be awesome to see someone do. I'm not doing it. <laughs> uh, you know, we have a couple of brothers. We have a couple of brothers who have a much more robust and dedicated Tai Chi practice and um, than anything I've ever attempted. But when they raise the crossroads, it actually looks – they, they do it in such a way as that it has that same sort of flowing motion that, like, mm. basic movements in Tai Chi have. And it's very – like, it's beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Besides which, you know, it's powerful to – be in the presence of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, Michael, I mean, I don't know about your singing. I haven't witnessed that, but I definitely witnessed you dancing. So I think you're a beautiful dancer. Uh, so I think you should give it a stab. <laughs> um, also, like, um, like dancing tree breathing is something that I've personally done too. You know, I, I love doing it. Uh, I think we'll talk about it later too. But um, yeah, just being able to dance on the tree or dance up the tree, dance down the tree. Actually, I resonate with what you said before too. It's like, a first, you know, it is a grounding practice, but grounding doesn't necessarily, especially because I'm such a, I tend to be such a grounded person by nature. Like when I'm grounding, I'm, it doesn't really feel like um, a normalizing of energy. It feels more like, uh, like connecting myself to the map a little bit, you know? So it's kind of like a, like a lay of the land or kind of like a, a focus paradigm shift that happens that allows me to focus on the work that's to be done, you know? So I just see it more as like, where am I on this tree and who else is on this tree? Uh, and then also this idea of connection, you know, we're all connected through this tree, whether through the roots or through the branches or just, you know, yeah, I don't know. So for me, tree breathing is often about like that connection and the, uh, uh, the mapping <laughs> more than grounding, you know? Well, I mean, when I say grounding, it's not, it's not in the like, okay, now I want to be, now I want to be energetically null. Right. It's more along the lines of like, you want to be connected to the universe so that energy is capable of flowing through you without any unnecessary or undue restriction. It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily about like, okay, now I'm going to be just like completely energetically neutral. It's more along the lines of like, okay, now I'm going to be able to be a balanced uh, channeler or transmitter of energy or be able to have energy flow through me smoothly without being colored by our emotional states or, you know, without being unable to deal with whatever energy is uh, sent our way because mm-hmm. of being, you know, unfocused or, you know, at, at um, being at odds with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, we've, well, we've mentioned it a couple of times already but uh, raising the great crossroads is definitely how we do create sacred space. It is how we do raise energy. I would only disagree with one word in that. Okay. We don't use the great crossroads to create sacred space mm-hmm. yeah. because all spaces are yeah. sacred. Mm-hmm. What we, what the great crossroads does is that it places us, it places us as 
when we are doing work or when we are engaging in our spiritual practices in the metaphorical, metaphysical center of the universe. It turns all eyes, you know, all the eyes of our ancestors and of our gods and of our spirits on us for what we are doing so that the universe is paying attention. So really it's more of a, it's more of an acknowledgement of sacred space than a creation. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, was, I wasn't sure how, I knew the wording wasn't exactly right, but I couldn't think of how the correct way to phrase it. <laughs> I mean, that's why I'm a teacher. <laughs> Because I have all because I have all yeah. of these little sound bites tucked away in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're more than a bank of sound bites, Chase. Come on. But so, anyway, continue. Yeah, please, Michael. <laughs> great crossroads. Raising the great crossroads. Please tell us about it. Uh, so I really wish we could. You know, there's a video that we share among the brothers that is Hyperion actually performing the great crossroads, showing us this is the movement that you do, this is who you call out to when you do this movement, when you do that movement, and whatnot. I would love to be able to like put that on a someplace where everyone could see it. So I'm going to do my best to you know, kind of describe how it is. So imagine yourself as the center point of, I guess, a compass to start with. When we, when we raise the great crossroads, we call out to the east, we call out to the magicians and prophets of old, and to the west, we call out to the shaman. And we, I'm not going to go into all the details, but then we call to the north and the south, and the north we call to, oh, and I'm probably going to get this wrong because <laughs> I just do it in my head really fast when I do it. Death walkers. Uh, death walkers. I was I was gonna say death walkers, but I was also thinking, wait, is it energy healers? No. No the energy death healers walkers. are in the south. <laughs> and we, we pull you know, when we call out to the different energies, we pull them to the center and then we send them in their opposite point. And with you still at the still at the center of this compass, you know, then we reach down into the underworld with our left hand to call and beckon forth the dark god. We reach up with our right hand to the upper world to call and beckon down the light god. We bring them down to where both energies are in our heart because they are lovers, let them mingle, and then we send them in their opposite direction with the light god descending, becoming the dark god, and the dark god ascending and becoming the light god. And then, again, we're still at the center point. We take a breath and a moment to call out to the dark goddess who is at the center. We take a moment to just commune with her because she is limitless potential. She is nothingness. She is, well, no, she is everything but in the potential for everything, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Then we take a moment, we reach in to that center point, and then we pull it out, casting it like a, think like a, think like a mage, just shooting energy bolts everywhere to, to where the energy becomes reality, and that is the light goddess. So, yeah, that is basically how it is done. And I'm pretty sure I butchered that. Uh, no, actually, I, 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 think, I, think you did, I think you did marvelously. The only thing I would uh, add to that particular description is I know, and I know this because this comes up in discussions and it comes up in first-timer classes all the time. In the original podcast, in the early podcast, Hyperion talks about raising the Great Crossroads and you know, earth in the north and fire in the south and air in the east and mm-hmm. water in the west. And we don't do, we don't do that. Uh, basically what that was was him trying to figure out how to use his previous training in Wicca to kind of do the unnamed path through that lens um, and got told by the ancestors that no, no, while those energies are a thing, no, 
No, <laughs> that's not the the North does not correspond in 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 the ending path. The North does not correspond to Earth. The South does not correspond to fire. In fact, we um what we say, what we say is that the the East corresponds to the quality of hot. Whereas the West corresponds to the quality of cold. These two are opposites of each other and are drawn to each other. The North corresponds to the qualities of death and the South quali- uh, the qualities of life. Again, these are opposites and they call out to each other. You know, light in light above us and dark below us and potential within us and manifestation without. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and us in the center of all of it. Right. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, well said. How often would you say you all, you know, you two, and even myself do, you know, raising the great crossroad? Do you do it every time you do magical working? Oh goodness. Uh, no. I do raising the cra- I I personally do raising the crossroads before I teach class. I may not necessarily always do it with my students, but I always do it uh, in the space that I'm in. I do it whenever I do. Generally, I do it whenever I do any kind of magical working. It's just sort of an acknowledgement of the space that's sort of already here and. Uh, from time to time, I'll just do it if I'm feeling like this space needs to have some like mojo in it. Like I need, I need to have, I need to have some oomph here. So mm. I can't say that I do it every day, but mm. you know. Yeah, I would say same. As you guys know, I was initiated recently in February, so like definitely before it was more of a regular practice. I would say just kind of keep putting myself like tracing those energies through me to make the channels clear. But yeah, I would say day to day. It's kind of like as needed. You know, I, I said the purpose of raising the great crossroads is acknowledging the sacredness that you're already in, you know? Like Chase mentioned, sometimes you feel like, mm, you know, there's a need for that or that you feel it as like, you know, sometimes you just need a little glitter, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's true. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, part of me is like, I mean, I still have that Catholic guilt. So part of me is like, oh, my God, I should be doing it more often. And <laughs> you know, I imagine I would benefit from doing it more often. So I will put that out into the universe. And I'm happy to do it more. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't say I do it every day or as necessarily a devotional practice it's more uh, I guess functional you know functioning to acknowledge these these energies around me you know I will say though, like uh, the the Great Crossroads is one of the. One, I mean, there are many reasons I was attracted to the name path, but I, I really loved how uh, this idea of sacred space already being here in the now, this being sacred, is something that I really resonated with. And this idea of like quote unquote creating sacred space is not creating; it's actually an acknowledgement or just bringing attention to uh, the sacredness of the space. I remember when during my training, I kind of like envisioned it as like, you know, the Google Maps pin just dropping all over the map. <laughs> like whenever, <laughs> whenever I did a, a crossroads, like, you know, I would do it at work in the courtyard or wherever I might be. I just imagine like, I'm just kind of like adding a little sparkle here or bringing awareness to the sacredness of this pinpoint, but which is also everywhere, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Michael, you mentioned it, but like, um, I also liked how it, um, the crossroads kind of serves as a bit of um, a nexus of information. I'm not sure if you would agree, Chase, but I've always kind of felt it in this way. Um, like, you know, Michael mentioned that in the East, there are the 
uh, the magicians and the prophets of our tribe or of our community. Uh, and of course, we're talking about our ancestors, but of course, future, past, and current too, right? And then the shamans uh, are in the West. And instead of just kind of saying, oh, that's where they live, it's like I really like the bringing together of these energies and these entities and people and passing it through yourself as the center of the nexus for all these, all these apparent opposites, quote unquote. It kind of made you the center of this like information stream, you know? Mm-hmm. So in that way, you know, it, it's, yes, it's like kind of adding sparkle to the air in the space, but it also kind of reminds, it serves as a reminder to me that I am in the center of all the sacredness too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how mundane my day might feel or dragging or, you know, so it's a nice way to um, re- remind yourself that not only is everything sacred, but you are in the center of it all, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's less about, and, and when I say like, and you know, we are at the center of it, it's less of a, like, I am so great and powerful standing here in the center of all. Of, it's more along the lines of like, I am a part <laughs> of all of this, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Like all of, there is no part of any of this that is around me that is not also in and running through me. Right. And, you know, sort of that kind of, that, the acknowledgement of that. Yeah. 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 For sure. Sure. Why do you think it is that, I guess, uh, our brother initiate that commented about uh, in larger groups that they would use something, I guess, a little more uh, akin to circle casting? Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know who made the comment. And so I can't mm. say who or why they would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like it's going to, uh, you know, much like I said earlier, it's very contextual for like you raise energy based better on or based, you know, on who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't personally like being I don't even like being in a circle when it's being cast. The way that I've put it is that it feels like wearing a set of clothes that is like a half a size too small. Mm-hmm. So like I just it feels very it feels very constrictive. It feels very almost suffocating. And my mm-hmm. my shadow or in 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 fairy we call it a, the fetch does not like it <laughs> because it's like why am I like suddenly cutting myself off from the energy of the universe that is around me, but I don't like this, you know, yeah. it, it depends, you know, and it depends on the reason that you're casting a circle. There are certainly, right. you know, there are certainly times when I will do a circle casting, you know, especially if I'm working with somebody who like just does not, if I'm in a, if I am in a group working, not necessarily a large group working, but you know, where I know that the people that I am with will not understand the, the great crossroads. Like they don't like, this is not a thing that they will be able to grok. You know, I have, circle castings in my toolbox so I can do it. I Mm. just don't like it. (laughs) But, you know, I can also power through that where, you know, somebody who doesn't necessarily have the extra training or the just the the resonance, uh, if you will, of being able to do it a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it was like a mixed crowd. You know, I'm not sure if they mean like like a larger group of like folks that are used to raising the great crossroads or maybe a larger group that are kind of pan-pagan, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I could see, like, for folks that are so used to um, casting a circle, like, not casting one almost feels like uh, exposure, right? <laughs> or because it, it, it's the idea of casting a circle is you're, it's to contain, right? To contain and to protect from what's uh, without. So it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's different. It's a different uh, approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I know we... we all three of us kind of bring different practices to like raising energy and uh, creating sacred space, aside from what we've learned from the name path. I don't know, Chase, do you have some thoughts on that? Oh, gosh. 
<sighs> I always have thoughts. I have thoughts. I have thoughts on many things, all things, everything, all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them, some of them are even true thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I like I said, the the methods that you use to raise energy, especially for me, are going to yeah. depend very much on like what it is what kind of big W work it is that I'm doing. You know, if I'm, mm. if I'm doing like serious meditative kind of work, like I'm not going to listen to happy, fun, techno or jazz, right? Like that's like, a, that's not the kind of music I'm going to listen to. Like I'm not going to be up and like hardcore dancing around. Like I'm going to be very still. Right. But like, I, um, I know Michael, you were talking about like that you enjoy like chanting and things. I am not a chanter. Like I, I can't, I can't do it. Um, I am the type of person who, if I hear or have to say the same word over and over and over and over and over, eventually the word starts to lose meaning, and it just sounds like it, it just sounds like gobbledygook in my brain. And so, uh, what will what will happen is that either the sounds sort of become meaningless, and I don't get anything out of it. Or I start being so focused on like making sure that I am being able to words properly um, that I end up focusing on that and not on the raising of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, for myself, when I'm doing magical work, I like to sing when I'm doing certain kinds of magical work. My shadow likes that. One of the reasons, and I've talked about this in a couple of places, is that um, it is impossible for me to lie while singing. You know, we talk about, you know, we are, when we're doing shadow work, that part of the reason why our shadows trust us is because we lie to our shadow. You know, we've, we've lied to our shadows for many, you know, for our whole lives. And I can't lie while I'm singing. Like if, if the emotion is not there, like it doesn't, it it won't come through. Like I can't Mm. fake, I can't fake an emotion through singing. So like when I'm raising energy through singing, my shadow knows that like what I am trying to do is a real thing, right? Like this is sort of a, it becomes sort of a key to like, oh, this is the energy that you want right now. Got it. Boom. You know, and also uh, for me, I've discovered that like singing along with a song uh, helps me in like building that sort of intensity, but it also helps in like figuring out when to release it because when the song is over, you just send the energy where it goes. Mm. Um, I know um, uh, Matt Oren has posted things on his Facebook page uh, a number of times about ask people asking or asking people what sort of music they listen to when they're doing magical work. And uh, I mentioned that my favorite song to do curse work to is uh, the song Seven Devils by Florence and the Machine. <laughs> because if you ever look at, if you ever read the lyrics, it's a fucking curse. Like it's you, it's a, you have done me wrong. And now I am setting seven devils around you for the rest of your probably very brief life because, because, so, you know, I modify some of the lyrics in that song a little bit because like, I'm not going to also die, but you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm pushed to that point of, of actually doing heavy duty curse work on somebody, like I, I'm, I want it to have some meaning. But um, I know this is an exercise that uh, Hyperion had a lot of us do for our uh, student teacher training where we would actually have to come up with like spell work for different things. Um, Mm. And, you know, we've talked I've talked with some of our other brothers about like what kind of music would I use for different kinds of spell work. And, you know, things like, um, well, uh, one that one that everybody knows is uh, for doing any kind of money magic. The song Bitch Better Have My Money by Rihanna. <laughs> like that is a song that is you will give me my fucking money. You know, like the, dear universe, I need money. Gimme. And, uh, and a lot of times you're going to you're going to choose songs that are, you know, don't necessarily have the word in the 
in the title, but you want the like the feeling of the song to kind of convey what you're trying to get at. So things like for doing success magic, the song Opportunities by the Pet Shop Boys. You know, I've got the brains, you've got the looks, let's make lots of money, right? Could be for money also, but it's also about being about being or at least appearing successful. So I often encourage my students uh, to find the things that work for them that way. You know, in terms of like raising energy specifically versus create, you know, versus creating or acknowledging sacred space, any any piece of music that has the the emotional tone that you're looking for will help you. I have we, this is why we tell people when we are doing um, when we are teaching people how to do journey work, like you listen to music that does not have an emotional tone. Like you want something that is droning or that is rhythmic, you know, like a drum beat or like the like a didgeridoo. But you don't want anything that has like you don't want anything with lyric and you don't want anything with a particular emotional overtone. You know, again, you don't want to listen to, you know, yet yeah, da, 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 kind of music for doing journey work. It's not really conducive to that. <laughs> but like if you're trying to cast a love spell for somebody like you want you know, maybe listen to a love song while you're doing it. Preferably something healthy as opposed to what a lot of love songs that I hear these days, which are sort of a like ode to unrequited love, because that's not particularly helpful. Uh, and sometimes the sometimes this kind of song that like encourages self-love is also a really mm-hmm. good song. Gosh, what was I listening to earlier that like really struck that for me? Oh gosh, uh, it's a Lizzo song, and I'm, oh. I'm terrible with. I'm so oh, terrible. Sure. I'm so t- I love her. Like Brother I didn't Dan, think I would call in right now, Brother Dan. Please call in right now. Let us know what Lizzo song we're talking about. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, I mean, you know, I am right in front of a computer, so it's not like I can't find it. It's just you know, <laughs> a matter of actually doing so. But yeah, you know. Uh, you want to find something that's going to spark that sort of emotionality in yourself, right? right. Do you right. want to make sure that like you're getting actually the right kind of emotionality for the work that you're trying to do? Like if you're doing, you know, if you're doing money magic for yourself, like you don't want a song that talks about money, but the thing that it's actually talking about is how you never have any money. Mm. Uh, oh, uh, the song "Good as Hell." Mm, yeah, that's that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, like you know, how you feeling? I'm feeling good as hell. <laughs> you know, I I just think that you know it's it's really easy to just sort of pick a pick a song title and hope for the best. And like, unfortunately, that's not probably not the best idea. Um, you know, you wanna you wanna listen to the words that are happening in a song before you speak them over yourself in a magical context. You know, in terms of other things like doing sacred space or sort of doing cleansing of a space, like I will do things like the the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram if I need to do like a really heavy duty spatial cleanse, but it's usually because there's some kind of an unruly or gross spirit around or person around um, that I want their energy and their presence to not be there anymore. I have found that being around someone who is like that or who is like an energetic vampire, that connecting them or sending them a flow of, you know, universal life energy tends to make them run away. Uh, you know, like Reiki, for example, because uh, it also stirs up a lot of, you know, inner 
like inner work and makes them have to confront all of that stuff. And they tend to not like that very much. So they tend to run away. But yeah, that's me. <laughs> now that I have rambled for five ever. <laughs> oh, that's great stuff. Uh, for me, as far as sacred space, um, you know, as you know, I'm, I, I dance. It's kind of funny because actually I am like by nature or uh, I'm actually a wallflower. So I actually don't like to dance or there's part of me that is definitely scared of dancing. But I think I really, I also just really enjoy it. You know, I think Chase, you mentioned before, about when we're talking about racing the great crossroads about kind of when things feel a little icky or just kind of like a little blah, you know, raising the crossroads is a way to remind us of the sacredness and, I don't know. Sometimes when I'm like in that headspace, and like I, um, this is my 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 continuous struggle is that sometimes I get so up in the head, and if I'm I'm so up in the head and I, I'm in that space of it being just blah, you know, it's hard to even say okay, I am going to do this now to in response to it or to remedy it. But there's something about dancing, just turning on music and dancing that allows me to transition, going from feeling blah in this space to I guess feeling more sparkly or feeling myself, you know? So it's a way to shake off the funk and it's also a way to like kind of focus my attention towards spirit, making me open to it. I also like how it takes your body with you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of like a believer. I'm not an ascensionist at all. And I, 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 I guess I'm kind of really all about this incarnation being about a human experience. And part of that is the spiritual as opposed to like, I don't know, just being like, uh, a bodily prison, you know, <laughs> that you're trying to transcend beyond. So I like that dancing takes you along, your body along for the ride. Yeah. Sometimes also like, uh, I guess this is more maybe like energy raising or even like uh, spell work or sometimes when you just feel like you need to clear the air a little bit, I find like a still point. So it, it always feels for me like, and this might be kind of like what one of our, our listeners was um, talking about in their post, but just in in the in the noise, uh, maybe the stress, maybe the noise of all the voices in your head saying things, you know, that are all the stresses of the world. Just finding that still point and then kind of just breathing into it. So for me, it's kind of like an instant way to to bless the space or to acknowledge the sacredness of this moment in this space. I guess the other thing I've been taking to doing is blessing like objects or items, like. My best example is, you know, I, I'm, you know, I actually live in a house in New York City, which is pretty rare, but there's lots of trees in the area, you know, and there's one tree in particular that's like in front of my house. So whenever I come home, I always just like, you know, put my hand on the, on the tree trunk and do a little blessing of thanks. And in that way, it just creates or maybe reignites that reminder that all is sacred, including my house, including my experience in the house. I don't know. As far as raising energy, there's definitely dancing. I, I already told, uh, mentioned that like I like to dance, the, um, the tree breathing. I'm not sure if you all have it in, in your areas, but there's something that happens here in New York called ecstatic dance. I, I think it's, it's kind of all over, but it's basically this idea of intentional uh, dance spaces. Uh, and I, if you have it, for our listeners, please do look it up to see if you have it in your area. It's a great way. Uh, obviously, you could just go to any, you know, bar or club and you could dance there. But sometimes um, a lot of these spaces come with a lot of, like, preconceived intentions. And it's kind of, it can be difficult to work against it, right? So even, like, the gay bar scene can be a little lacking in, in body positivity. Uh, it could be, like, 
hookup oriented and of course there's nothing wrong with hooking up but it's kind of the intention is already made for you when you enter that space so like this is a place for uh, meeting potential partners as opposed to you working on yourself you know so if you have something like ecstatic dance uh, what I love about it is that uh, they have a couple of ground rules Um, there's no alcohol no drugs and no shoes (laughs) and also uh, no talking and or cell phones so the idea is um, really for you to connect with your body and how you communicate through your body, if that's what you're looking to do. So uh, some people go and they just kind of like trance out on their own. Uh, and then some folks, they go and they explore connection in ways beyond the talking, you know? So it's an interesting way, especially for folks like me that enjoy the healing aspects of dance, but um, often kind of face this uh, wallflower or the fear around it. It's a great way to just kind of break through. I guess something that we haven't talked about, too, is, like, as far as raising energy, I feel like my default tends to be uh, raising energy through sex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, even when I'm doing spell work, and uh, sex has always been a great way for me to have access to that. Another way for my busy mind to just kind of be at rest a little bit and a great way to direct that energy. So, yeah, I mean, my brothers that I, I, uh, I trained with and initiated with can attest to this, that I often would use sex as like a way of ascending healing or creating any sort of intention that I'm looking to create. Yeah. How about you, Michael? How, how do you, how do you as a cr- create sacred space or raise energy? Well, like I said before, I, when I do tree breathing, I consider that part of my, you know, raising energy practice. Um, but besides that, uh, for me, one of the easiest ways to raise energy is music, you know, kind of like how Chase was talking about, you know, having the mm-hmm. right songs for the right intention and whatnot. You know, I use music so much in my musical practice whenever I am doing anything that I have like specific playlists for <laughs> whatever is my goal or intention. So that's definitely something that I, I'm, I, I'm not musically inclined. I love music, but the musical inclination is not my, I'm more of a visual person. So when I hear the music, I can, in my head, envision the energy that I am trying to coalesce, trying to raise, and you know, thus direct it to where it needs to go, either into what I am working on in front of me or to someone who is halfway across the country or down the street, mm-hmm. you know, wherever. But again, how I was saying, you know, I don't dance, but... Not true. I, I do dance to a certain point. Like when, if you see me dancing, I am in a very, I, I'm in a spot where I feel safe, where I feel comfortable. And a lot of time that is usually at festival, like mm-hmm. at Pagan Spirit Gathering. I fell in love with dance around the bonfire late at mm-hmm. night and raising raising energy to send out into the community and whatnot. And so that is one of my favorite things to do whenever I'm at festival. And Unfortunately, I haven't been to uh, Pagan Spirit Gathering for, this will be my second year not attending, so I'm a little sad about that. I will have to, I'm going to ha- I'm gonna have to go camping and dance in the woods on my own, because I'm, go- I'm going to need it at some point. Uh, but it's the whole, you know, we, you know, we had a little bit of that at Between the Worlds, but I don't know if you've ever been to Pagan Spirit Gathering. There is a very much a culture around the dance around the bonfire. There are numerous drummers. There's, you know, they have stations for water and whatnot. And the space is just made so people can, you know, dance around the bonfire. And mm. it's very much a community thing. And so that's one of the reasons why 
you know, when I'm in that space and raising energy that way, you know, it's, again, it's a safe space. It's a very comfortable space for me to just go and let my body move to the rhythm of the drums and just however the spirits want me to move. But I also can get that experience whenever I'm, you know, how you were talking about going to the clubs to dance, uh, mm-hmm. Chris. That is very much, I will go, when, when I'm in that headspace to do that, it's either on the nights when, well, again, this is, well, let me say, when I was younger, it was very much in my headspace to do that. I don't dance at the clubs all that much anymore. It's just getting a drink, hanging out, and then going home. But mm-hmm. it used to be like around Pride. Yes, there was a lot of sexual energy and whatnot, but I kind of would vibe on that energy and just dance because I would also be with friends and, you know, we would dance for hours. There were so many times I left the club with a shirt soaked in sweat just from dancing. So I very much can vibe on that type of energy and, you know, raising, you know, using that energy in raising, uh, I guess not so much in the club. I guess you could in the club raise sacred space. But again, you have to be careful with the other energies that people bring in. Right. Um, And, you know, just in general, you know, my default now is raising the great crossroads. Once I learned that, I kind of ditched casting a circle. So Mm -hmm. like Chase was saying, it's, not something that is that I'm like, oh, oh yeah, people do this when they when I'm in like a public ritual and they are casting circle. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, they do this. Okay, and it has, <laughs> has to get my head in the right spot for that whenever that happens. And it can be super challenging. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sounds amazing around the bonfire. You know, I mean, I, I've been going to BTW or Between the Worlds for. Uh, I mean, I had a bit of a break when I was living in Hawaii, so it was a little harder to come, but. Um, uh, yeah, I remember my early years, like every night I would be drumming, you know, I also drum, so I would be drumming and dancing every night until I don't even know how, how late. Uh, and that was just kind of the joy of it. So yeah, I, 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 it has dimmed down a little bit. That's true. So maybe this year, uh, are you going this year, Michael, between the world? I am. I need to register <laughs> like as soon <laughs> as I can, because the, what is it? The. Early registration deadline is coming up, or did it come up already? Oh, I don't know. I'm so out of it. It's, has it passed already? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was, we'll have to look. like in August or so, no? Or is that the last one? No. Well, this year they made updates to the website, and they did say oh. that you know, registration was going to be over quicker than it has been in the past. Oh. So, but they haven't. I don't recall them saying anything on the Between the Worlds Facebook group. So, uh-huh. you know, normally I, I think they would say "day for early registration," <laughs> right? And I, I've not, I've not seen that. So, and we're both coordinators, so we're we're definitely not waiting at this game yeah. right now. So well informed, the coordinators. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I'll be there, though. Don't worry. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anyone else out there is looking at my going to, uh, between the worlds, then please, please do join us and come up and say hi. Uh, I think we might have mentioned in the past, but this, of course, is the 50th year anniversary of the Stonewall Riot. Uh, and every year they honor, uh, at, at Between the Worlds of BTW, we honor one deity in particular. But this year we're honoring the queer ancestors, right? Uh, so it's going to yep. be an amazing year for sure. Yeah, awesome, very cool. How about you, Chase? Are you going to be joining us this year around the bonfire? Ugh, God, I wish. 
No, my unfortunately my uh, my ability to travel this year has kind of gotten curtailed. I had to take a whole lot of vacation time very early this year, so I'm oh. basically having to work my butt off to like recoup any of that. And I have to go to Texas at some point because I have to go get my stuff. Plus, it's entirely possible that I may be having to take time off and like go to Canada and Portugal this year for students. So. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, you know I have to do things like oh. actually get a damn passport. <laughs> so, oh, um, oh, are, are they not oh, coming wow. to you? Or well, we don't. I don't. We haven't figured that out yet. Wow. But yeah, <laughs> I've never left. Hey. I've never left the country before, <laughs> so that'll be an adventure for me. I know. That'll be an interesting passport. Well, you're I, I just I just realized, you know, when you were in Texas, you were so close to the border of Mexico. Now that you're in Portland, you're so close to the border of Canada. Yep, I know. Where True. incidentally, no one is demanding a wall to be built. Just saying. Just saying. Right. <laughs> Always bringing it back. Uh, all right, guys. Well, we've had a great conversation. Does anyone have any finishing thoughts, uh, Michael or Chase, before we close up? The only closing thought that I have is that when on the subject of like magical playlists, like yeah. now we're definitely going to have to have another uh, another episode about talking about that because I am telling you what, I want to have our wonderful brother Ken on this podcast so bad um, now because Ken makes astrological podcasts. You know that's right. That's right. Ken. You're that's, my that's, Ken. that's right. That's right, Ken. I'm calling you out. <laughs> and, and I would love to hear him talk about his process for that. Oh, that would be so cool! I did not know he did that actually. Wow. Yep. He is our he is our resident astrologer here in Portland. Right. He is that he is means. the reason he is the reason why I don't learn more astrology because I already know a whole lot about other forms of divination, and I have a Ken for that. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you could learn so much about astrology. Yeah, but I have you. <laughs> what do I what, what do I need to learn? What do I need to learn about Lilith when like you're here to tell me about it? Mhm, mhm. Yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> How about you, Michael? Any finishing thoughts? Oh, only that I have so much work to do now because we have we've had like maybe like three or four show topics come up <laughs> for the future. I know. <laughs> but uh, but uh, other than that, everyone's ways of creating sacred space, creating, uh, raising energy is different. And it's just so amazing how we, we're willing to share. The people who responded to the post were willing to share how they do it. And we're willing to share how we do it to the people who are listening to this right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really have much more to say than that. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Yeah. And and it is also uh, my 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 add on to that would be it is important to understand that no one's way is the best way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody has the best way. Everybody just has their way. Thank so, you so much. Yeah. Don't let anybody tell you that their way is better than your way. It's just a different <laughs> way. Excellent. Well, thanks, guys. I I would just say like yeah, absolutely. Like whatever your method is, if it's working, just keep doing it. Uh, the world needs it, you know. And um, keep learning. Yeah, keep learning. 
Uh, so as we close our show, uh, we, of course, we would like to thank everyone who is listening right now and the future listeners as well. And then we hope you'll continue to walk with us on this path. Uh, it's been a joy so far, and hopefully the joy continues. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, you can always email us at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com, all on word. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at walking underscore the UP. And, of course, uh, we are present on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash walking the unnamed path. And blessings to see you next time. Take it away, Michael. Yay! Yay. And, <laughs> and something that, you know, we are so thrilled to be able to do now is we have music now that a couple of artists have graciously allowed us to add to our library and play. So, and I think, you know, for the first you know, song to play as our outro, you know, it should be from one of our brothers. Our Excellent. brother Matthew Sidney has graciously allowed us to add some of his music to our library. So I'm going to play us mm-hmm. out with his uh with his rendition of uh Toil and Trouble, which is from his it's from his Sans Mercy uh, album that he released last year, which you can find at matthewsydney.com slash music. So Excellent. Yep, support is, your artist, <laughs> Yes. So again, this is uh, Toil and Trouble. Bye. Bye, everyone. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burning cauldron bubble. Double, double, Toil and trouble, fire burning cauldron bubble. The lay of a fanny snake in a cauldron boil and bake. I of newt, toe of frog, wood bat and tongue of a dog, adder's fork and a blind worm's sting, lizard's leg and a
high burning cauldron. Oh. 